0: We live in a society where people are praised for being clever, whether it is in finding better ways to do things, simply being witty, being clever is lauded in our society. However, sometimes people are a little too clever and edge into behavior that borders on the unethical. Dark UI patterns are an example of this in the web space. Dark patterns are often used to get users to do things that they didn't intend to do through deceptive and nefarious ways. In this episode, we're going to discuss some dark patterns you should be avoiding if you are building websites. But before we get started, Will, what nefarious things have you been fighting this week? (laughs) I
1: have been fighting Kindle Direct Publishing (laughs) and losing (laughs) badly. Um so I published my book on Leanpub um, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving morning, uh, so you can go out and you know look for that. It's a Developer's Guide to Surviving Whiteboard Interviews, and there will me. be a
0: link on the website soon.
1: Yeah, and we'll probably um, you know that that link will probably include like a a coupon code or whatever, so that you're not actually paying the full price. Yeah, um, we're nice like that. Yeah. We just, we have to do that. So like, if you go to our site, it'll probably be like on the landing page and it'll just be there. We just, we're kind of slackers, you know, Gen X. So uh, that's, that's how we are. So uh, I got the whole thing done. And then I was like, Hey, let's put it on Amazon. And it turns out that Amazon's little editor dealy who um, doesn't really work all that well. Dealey who that's a technical term. That is. It's uh it's, it's the part of the donkey facing South when it's headed North. So it isn't up there yet. Like it's on, I've got it on Amazon as far as the digital version, but the print version, I'm, I'm having a lot of difficulty. I'm going to pay somebody else to fight with Amazon's tool. So that's what I've been doing this week.
0: Uh, well, we're recording this the week after Thanksgiving, and this just happens to be our off year in my family. Uh, as in, we trade, trade off between Thanksgiving and Christmas day, who goes where. So, um, both my sisters were at their in-laws. Not having in-laws, I was not at mine. Uh- <laughs> it's
1: cheaper at Christmas, though. Very,
0: very true. The past few off years, I've gone up to my sisters in Cleveland. But since I'm moving this weekend, I decided to stay down here and... I didn't have anywhere to go because my mom was taking care of my aunt who had surgery. So. And you didn't tell
1: your best friend that I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving. Where should I go? So that he could say, oh, come to my parents' house and eat all the extra food so that they're not like begging him to take it home. Well, yeah. mind you,
0: we found out my aunt was going to be having, like my aunt found out she was having surgery a few, like a
1: week before. So yeah, it wasn't But like you could have a- told me on Thanksgiving morning and come down.
0: I could have. I just didn't even think about it. I yeah. was like, I'm just gonna go do this and anyways, I ended up over at a local pub here in Bellevue called Alley Pub and they had sort of a Thanksgiving special. It was really cool. The staff and some regulars brought in sort of a potluck of Thanksgiving dishes. It was free, but there was a rule. And there was the only rule there, if you eat a plate, you have to take a plate to someone who can't get out, um, has to work, or something like that. So the first thing I thought we have a friend who works um at a grocery store like he's working his way up into management and uh, I thought well hey if he has to work I'm gonna just drive right down the road to take him a plate of Thanksgiving food yeah uh, for lunch and so I I texted him he's like no I actually have the day off it's really awesome it's like great man cool so I ended up taking a plate to my mom but um it was it was really cool I I really liked what they were doing and just want to kind of like podcast applaud them yeah it's pretty cool So, then on my way home from the pub, I noticed a line for the GameStop that's in the shopping complex next to it. It was around 2.45, and I looked it up on my phone. I was like, well, there's about 10 or 15 people out there. I wonder how long they're going to be waiting. Now, mind you, I wasn't thinking about going in there. I was on that side of the the complex because I wanted to go to the liquor store, but they were closed. (laughs) So, when I looked it up on my phone, I was like, oh, they open at 3 in 15 minutes. Hmm. Wonder what sales they got going on. So rather than look that up on my phone, I just got out and went and started talking to people in the line. Realized that uh, I could get a Nintendo Switch with Mario Kart and another game for about the cost of an Xbox One S. Mind you, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when I got promoted, I decided that the extra I made that first month after the promotion, I was going to use to buy an Xbox One. And then changed my mind and said, you know what, I'm going to save up a little bit and buy a Nintendo Switch. So guess what? I now have a Nintendo Switch with Mario Kart and Zelda Breath of the Wild. That game is so addictive. No joke, y'all. It's hard to tell how long I've been playing it. It's been a long time since I've really gotten into a game. And so I, you know, I'll play with my nieces and stuff like that, but I don't really play video games that much. And yeah, Thanksgiving night, I ended up staying up till 2 a.m. without even realizing it. Oops. Yeah. Thankfully, I had the next day off, though I did have plans. Uh, My mother came up and we spent the whole day packing up my apartment. I was like half awake the whole time because I'm like, I was up too late last night. Yeah. (laughs) Though, honestly, as soon as my mom left, I started playing the Switch again. <laughs> of course she <you> did. <laughs> um, I actually had to... Uh, it, it's hard. So, I, I actually ended up turning on the parental controls just so that I could get the warnings of, hey, you've been playing for two hours. Because otherwise, I would play for like four or six hours and not even realize it.
1: Yeah. and I used to have that problem with video games.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I, I used to be good about knowing how long I'd played. But it's just been so long since I've really played video games, um, and that Zelda game is just – it it brings you in. It is so good, y'all. I mean, really, it is, it is one of the best video games I've played in a long time. Like, the only other video game I can think of that has really drawn me in this well was Witcher 2. Yeah. And mind you, I haven't played Witcher 3 yet, so I I hear that's going to draw me in as well. And it's not on the Switch, so I'm going to actually have to get an Xbox One for it. So, But um, on that note, I have something gaming-related for IOTs. One of the more annoying things about... Modern gaming systems is they assume you have constant internet access. And one of the things I like about the Nintendo Switch is it does not make that assumption because it's designed to be portable and a console. However, that assumption does mean that you can do some fun things with connected devices. For IOTs this week, I have an article that talks about how the Internet of Things has changed gaming from turning normal devices into gaming systems to gamifying health and working out. The article is a really fun read, um, and I suggest you check it out. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. Who's
1: talking to us this week? We got a tweet from Jeff Dalton saying, at Complete Dev Pod, digging the podcast. Nice work.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a Complete Developer Podcast water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Google+, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Check us out. Each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer listener questions. Or you can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to
1: slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. From whatis.techtarget.com, a dark pattern is an element of manipulative interface designed to trick the user into taking actions that they might not have done freely. In other words, it's the gaining of consent by deception. Besides being sketchy, Some of these are already illegal in some jurisdictions and more of them are going to become illegal over time.
0: Dark patterns are everywhere on the web. As companies try to get your email address, get your business, get you to purchase upgrades and even keep you as a client, a lot of them will engage in practices that are borderline unethical and possibly even of dubious legality. A lot of this episode comes from content at darkpatterns.org, which is a website that names and shames these patterns. It's really a useful study in development ethics and in correctly obtaining consent from your users before undertaking an action.
1: Now, there's another side to these unethical patterns. In addition to being deceptive and eroding trust, these patterns may well get you into legal trouble someday, including after the fact, you know, class action type lawsuits. While prosecutions and lawsuits haven't really struck this sort of behavior on the web as much as they should have, it's probably only a matter of time. In this episode, we'll discuss some of the patterns along with some of the things that can result from them. The idea behind this is to adequately prepare you to resist implementing these patterns yourself. While you may not be directly held responsible for writing code that does some of this stuff, you do have an obligation as a technology professional to avoid making the world a little worse. However, you can't solve these problems with technology. Instead, you have to find another way for the business to achieve its goals without this duplicitous behavior. In addition, knowing about these patterns will make you less likely to be a victim of them.
0: Note here that we aren't covering all of them, There are so many scummy, just nasty practices out there that it's not really possible to catalog them all, at least in one
1: podcast episode. Yeah, we could actually have a podcast about scummy tech people. Ooh,
0: we should do that. That'd be fun. Yeah.
1: So the first pattern we're going to talk about is
0: something that you hear about all the time, um, not just in the tech community.
1: But uh, online dating apps.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> um, and we're not talking catfishing. We're talking the bait and switch, which kind of is catfishing, but you know.
1: Yeah, it's just got a new term now for yeah. the same thing.
0: <laughs> this occurs when the user intends to do one thing, but is tricked into doing a different, possibly
1: undesirable thing. The Windows 10 upgrade kerfluffle um, was a great example of this. GWX, which was the. Uh, get Windows 10 application would periodically pop up and suggest upgrading to Windows 10. Most people remember this. Most people don't remember it fondly either, because it would just kind of come up in the middle of whatever you were doing and take focus away. And that was so
0: for, especially if you were
1: playing a game, it's like you're on a boss fight and it just pulls your mouse cursor. Thanks. I just died because you're, you think right now is the time. As time went on, Microsoft got more aggressive with these pop-ups. So instead of you just being able to close it you know, now you had to actually read the text. Uh, this eventually culminated with the company making the close button in the upper right hand corner of the screen mean upgrade now instead of go away, uh, which was a complete break from the way that you know, like Windows works. Yeah, they changed the what it was what it was going to do.
0: It resulted in a bunch of problems. Lost data and just a major
1: inconvenience. Yeah, I think that's the one that that lady. I think there's a lady like in San Francisco or somewhere that sued Microsoft in small claims court and got like ten grand out of them. Because yeah, the, she, she shut their business. They they killed her business for three or four days. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it was like um like Valentine's Day. It was some day that. Or Mother's Day, yeah, and it hit them at a, a real bad time.
0: She, she had, was it, it was either a bakery or a, a flower shop. I can't remember. I think it was a flower shop, Yeah, right? it was
1: a flower shop on that one. I think there was a bakery later yeah. with something similar. Other examples,
0: uh, PayPal has done similar things by showing the continue button first and then loading the credit button in exactly the same place. This causes people to click on the wrong one.
1: Yeah, so what you do there is you have the button that comes up and it lazy loads the other one. And so it moves the one you're about to click on, and you click on the one that means the opposite of what you're trying to click on.
0: That is so annoying when that happens. And a lot of times that happens inadvertently.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it is weird though that one of them was fixed and the other one was late. It was like an image or something that was slow to load. Um, Now it could be unintentional, but you know, the thing with the dark pattern is, is it's, it's one of those shady kind of cowardly things that people do where it's like, ah, I've got plausible deniability. They probably won't catch me Mm -hmm. or they'll give me the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So instead of this, be honest and don't try to trick users by breaking their expectations.
1: Yeah. So if your user interface usually has certain user interface metaphors, keep those. Now, I I will say this one thing
0: that could cause this like one actual oops instead of nefarious would be you bring in someone new and they come in and they don't know the way the system is. And they don't, they don't take the time to go look.
1: Right. And then they break everything with, with brand new code, yeah. Um, which if you had upgraded to windows 10, you would also experience that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sorry. The, like the early bits were a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit rough. Realistically, if you're going to try to get something from users or from just people in general, you need to give them something first. A free forced upgrade to an operating system with extensive telemetry and forced updates is only a give in the same sense that someone gives you the flu. It's not a gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um. You need to go. Hey, look. You know. You upgrade to this, and you know. You were on home, and we're going to give you pro, and you know, a free. You know, one year of Office. Like, give them something to convince them to upgrade. Don't try to trick them. Because hmm. then you can get them hooked on Office too. Once you're hooked on Office. No. Once you're hooked on Office, you're then you're you're cussing Excel all the time and Word. <laughs> So next is confirm shaming. Yes. And we need a pop-up on our website that does this. Um, this is the act of guilt-tripping a user into opting into something like an email newsletter. Can you will so, tell that Will
0: writes the newsletter? <laughs> yeah,
1: which I haven't written one uh, you know, in a little bit. I'm going to get back to it, but I got to change things. Uh, so this would be like you pop up a uh, pop-up that says, hey, sign up for the complete developer newsletter. And that's you know, one button. And then the other bu- button is, is, no, I'd rather go kick a puppy. You know, It's like you feel like a jerk if you don't sign up, but you don't want to sign up. Or maybe you do. (laughs) I don't don't have a problem clicking that button because I'm like, nope, I'm
0: not going to do it. And I'm mad at you for popping. I don't like pop-ups.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Typically in this outline, we would give other examples. However, I'm going to tell you that you see other examples everywhere. Like if you're not seeing this all the time, you're not on the web.
0: Yeah. Instead of this, a simple no or... No thank you. Yeah, or not right now. Not right now is a great one.
1: Yeah, and that's totally fine. Now, maybe the conversion rate's a little bit lower, but you're not insulting your users. Um, there's a there's actually a lower value. If, if you get people to sign up for your list and they're not enthusiastic, they don't open your emails, or they mark mm-hmm. them as spam, and that hits your deliverability. If so, your list is big enough, you're paying.
0: Yeah, so the there's an interesting thing I've seen that I like, and sometimes I do it with like updates but I've also seen it with some pop-ups and like it's pop-ups on apps that are asking you to go rate them. Yeah. For me, it's usually dating apps because you know, I'm on the market, but uh, anyways, it's apps that are asking you to go rate them. And I really like what they, they say. It's like, yes, I'll go rate you later or stop asking. Yeah. And I usually, if I can't, if I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm right in the middle of writing an email to someone. All right, later I'll, I'll, Go rate you
1: then. Well, and that's perfect for that workflow, right? Because you don't want the people that are annoyed at you clicking through and reviewing your app. No. Right if you no. just ticked them off. Yeah. And and they'll do there's companies that'll do that. They think that workflow is reasonable. I mean, the thing is, this is another case where you want to give something to get something.
0: I think something like this is something you see in a startup run like this sounds like something you and I would have done in our 20s, our early 20s in college. 23
1: or 24. Yeah. That that was like our peak of, I'm an obnoxious jerk and I don't care what everybody else thinks. Yeah. Where we would have thought it was funny. Yeah. And I
0: think that's what it is. It's the the people that do this think it's, oh, the, old, the people looking at it will laugh. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's- that may be other twenty-three, twenty-four-year-olds down but to twelve-year-olds. But they don't like have any money.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they don't. I mean, you know, like they're that's you're broke, and you're okay with eating ramen for six months. That's why you're building a business like this.
0: You're really right. I've read an article today about how millennials have less money to spend than previous generations.
1: Yeah. The the other thing is, this kind of comes out of a general disrespect for mm-hmm. your clients. Um, you know, I've worked at a few places where people talked about, "Oh, our clients are idiots." And you just you look at them and you're like, what? Why would you say that? You know, like you even if you think they are, you don't ever verbalize that. No, you you Be- really because don't. it becomes a habit and it it becomes a thing that you're allowing yourself to think instead of approaching these people with respect. You know, you're trying to get money out of. Them. So the next one is disguised advertisements, and this is an advertisement that masquerades as other types of content. Note that this is a little bit different than you know the common practice of like having an affiliate link. Mm -hmm. Um, a better example is stuff like a next button in an ad placed right at the bottom of a multi-part article that goes somewhere else
0: will and i like to debate so we got into a back and forth about um, a link that i had followed on facebook to a white paper yes you thought i was trash talking white papers when i was actually trash talking the place that said this is an article that they it was misleading yeah and um what it turned out was that the person who posted that was not associated with the company that wrote it.
1: Yeah. I remember that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, he's uh he's angry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what this makes me think of is, you know, this this misleading, oh, I've got to sign up for your service to get the information that you promised me.
1: Yeah, um and medium does this. Of course you just delete your cookies and then you're back where you were. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's it's really annoying. I mean, I I get it to some degree because they want to monetize. And mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes the other thing you'll see too is is um articles that discuss a concept and you know, they give you really good information there and they go, "And here's how we do it in our tool and this is how that works." I think that's okay. Oh yeah, that's because so, you led with value. Right. Well, that's in a way, what we're doing with this podcast—yeah, we're not making any money yet.
0: <laughs> well, we haven't—we haven't built the product yeah. yet. Yeah, we're, we're still working on that. But as we start publishing books and other for-sale material, we're not going to stop the podcast,
1: right? And yeah. we're not going to do the thing where we publish an episode and we like make a, a two minute teaser and go, you have to really pay to subscribe to get this. Cause that's, that's obnoxious.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I, I know. <laughs> I know exactly the one you're thinking of. Yeah. I, I stopped following them. I was going to join their network before yep. that happened. And that happened. And I said, nope, you not only lost a listener, you lost a customer.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, ads are acceptable as long as they're obviously ads mm-hmm. and articles are acceptable. And it's even okay to kind of do a plug for your your stuff you're selling as long as you're providing value that's like, hey, this person could learn from this and they could use your competitor. When people feel like they can go do that, they're more likely to buy from you anyway.
0: And another thing that is really good is having like you could put ads for upgrades in things like, all right, here's ha- in how-to things for yeah. the product. So, if you have like a free version, you have like, a, here's how to do something, you know, and then at the bottom of that, here's... You know, a, a an ad or sort of closing out with a sales pitch. Yeah, and that I'm okay with too, because you know I know if I'm going to their site that all right, they're going to try to get me to upgrade. That is natural. It's when it looks like one thing. It's it's the um.
1: It's the overly, atta- yeah. It's the overly attached girlfriend of digital advertising. <laughs> really, it, it, it is, is, is what it is. It's like you can't leave me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's it's. Yeah, it's creepy. Um, so, some other examples. Uh, this kind of stuff happens on software download sites where advertisements will show up that have fake download buttons that lead to another site. So, they target their ads where it goes on like SourceForge. Mm-hmm. And it has a download button. And so, you go to a software download. And, you know, oh, there, there it is. And you click. And now you go to a malware site and you just got nailed.
0: Yeah. So, here's my question. Who do you blame for that? Because very
1: likely SourceForge is outsourcing their ads. Right. With ad networks. And this is why people use ad blockers is because a lot of the bad behavior on the web, you know, it happens because there is not a chain of custody on all the content coming up to your screen. Right. You know, that's actually monitored. It's like, oh yeah, I have this respectable site, but they've got an ad network. And, you know, it turns out that this guy who should be in prison is kind of running the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, It's kind of like NPM right now. yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah. I have
0: stopped using, uh, places that have ad blocker blockers.
1: Yeah. I, I, I open them up in the Chrome browser and I <laughs> <laughs> I'm kill. i a little bit more like, yeah, you know what? No, we're not doing this. Yeah. I yeah. don't, um, I'm not even that nice now. You've like, you've made it a challenge. I will see how you implemented it. Like you could have just made me go away. Yeah. But no. Um, Another good example is where a site is giving product reviews and sends the users to an affiliate link while not disclosing that they make money from sales. Uh, This will get you in trouble with the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. This is actually illegal. Really? Yeah. So you got to watch that.
0: I did not realize that you had to disclose that you were getting a kickback from the link.
1: Yeah. You have to say, hey, this is a, you know, just say, hey, this is an affiliate link. You know, and, and, you know, honestly, you can just go, look, I'm going to be completely shameless. Here's the affiliate link. If you want to click it,
0: that's what I would do anyways, because I, I I would think, I don't, I wouldn't think anything nefarious about that. I just didn't know that that was actually a law.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is, is people are more likely to click on that if you're up front because they like like your content and they're like, shoot, I'll give that guy some money. That, that's exactly why I would say um, this is an affiliate. Yeah. And I did that too. Um, you know, there was a there was a free course on internet marketing, which I mentioned a while back. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I went through the dude's course and, you know, like he was asking for money to keep the thing going and I donated money. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you know, if you're. And that's
0: what things like Patreon are for, which, by the way, you know, you could check out our Patreon and, and help us fund the podcast. Shameless plug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So let's talk about what to do instead. Um, And the first thing, again, is try to actually be honest. If somebody got good information from your website, you don't have to deceive them to make money. You already provided value.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, think about it this way. How many of y'all listening get a lot out of the podcast? Just think about that. And now how many of you guys would pay to get more information like in, an in-depth thing that is beyond what we offer on the
1: podcast. Yeah, or if we said, "Hey, this is really good," you take our advice and you'd use the affiliate link. Yeah, like I don't think we would have a problem getting people to do that if they're already in the market for something. You know, it, it's because we're just
0: honestly, I I, I follow people's affiliate links.
1: When, yeah, I've um, got a few people that I'll send an email to and go, "Hey, I'm I'm in the market for this thing. Do you have an affiliate link? Like yeah. Sonmez, I do that with uh, um, with the guys over at Coding Blocks. Yeah. Because I know
0: that when they suggest, they've suggested two or three books that I've bought. Yep. And I'm, I go to their website, rather than just going to Amazon on my phone and getting it, I go to their website to follow their link just because I'm like, well, I never would have heard of this or, you know, I probably wouldn't have heard of it had it not been for them. But also, you know, they make a really great show and I want to give them a little kickback for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, hidden advertisements really are corrosive to trust. Right. And there's no need of it. Like, if you've built trust, you're there. Mm -hmm. If you haven't built trust, that's a thing you need to fix. So, next
0: is forced continuity.
1: Yeah. So, this occurs when you have to enter a credit card number to try software out, and you're silently charged when the trial period ends. Now, I'm in the kind of startup type space, like as far as people I talk to, and this has gotten... This has gotten to be very common. And the reason they do this is they go, "Hey, I'm going to ask for a credit card number first because it gets all the tire kickers out." Like the people that are like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to download your software and get on your email list and then not use it and try it out oh, and I'm yeah. never going to convert." You know, because they're they're possibly having to allocate server resources. They're doing all kinds of planning and stuff, and then they have this really crazy churn rate that looks like they lost 75% of their clients. And they didn't. They got people that weren't their client. And so that's why they do this. You know, and that makes sense. However, it can become a problem when the trial period ends and they just silently charge your credit card.
0: That is very annoying. I got burned by that a couple of times. <clears throat> Microsoft Azure.
1: Yeah. Well, that they and, burned me every month for like six months.
0: Yeah. I, I got burned by that a couple of times. So did you with, with Azure and, then, and other things. But I just, I won't give them a credit card for something free. Actually, that is something I have seen on a couple of websites where they're like, yeah, it's... Free trial and you don't even have to give us your credit card number.
1: Yeah. And that's I a have marketing seen that, proposition that for marketing.
0: Them. Honestly, guys, if you're, if you're doing that, you just like jumped up a notch in
1: my book. I would say if they're business to consumer and yep. they're doing that, that, like that's a good approach because you know regular people. Um, now, if it's business to business and it's business software that I'm that's checking different. out. Yeah. Because I also want them to know I'm serious. So, when I call and go, hey, I have a problem. Yeah. you know, It's like, look, this dude entered a credit card number. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth a little bit, but if you're trying to check out something simple, like, you know, I don't know, a domain purchase and, uh, you know, you click through, you, you'll get something similar to this. It's just a different pattern. It's, um, instead of forced continuity on the credit card, it's forced continuity on the wizard. Mm-hmm. And so you're clicking through and you're going, okay, I'm going next and trying to get to the, you know, cause they, they pop up all this crap. Oh yeah. It's, it's like, guys, you know, you put. You put more stuff in your shopping cart than the average uh, person living on the street. When was the last time you rented a moving truck? Oh, yeah. Moving here. Yeah. Um, No, uh, moving. I I rented one for something heavy that I had to move, and I can't remember what it was now. Um, So, I'm talking to you, U-Haul. I had to
0: go through five pages of do you want this? Do
1: you want this? Do you want and this? And all the things are checked by default. And if yeah. you're in a hurry, or the better one is where they go, you know, the first two screens, things are not checked. And so you're like, oh, this is all the crap. Let me just get to the checkout. But the third screen has got stuff checked that costs money. And then yeah. you go to the checkout. Like, that's a, a pretty common pattern. And GoDaddy is horrendous about this. The other thing they like to do is they like to say, oh, yeah, you know, the domain is eight ninety nine for a year. And you click through, but you don't see the thing that's a drop down. that's like, oh, yeah, it's five years of it that you just signed up for. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting like six domains.
0: So we've talked about several examples of this,
1: Um, and I mean, there's others. Amazon does it to you to try to get you on Prime. You have that recurring task to call Comcast. Yeah, because they like to bump my my bill up. Like they, I've actually got to call them this week because they bumped my bill up by 130 dollars a month for reasons I don't know what. But like I have, I literally have a recurring task in Nosby every six months. That's basically call Comcast and cuss them out about your bill. Like I don't even look at the bill most of the time, like because I know that they're they're gouging me somehow. And it's yeah,
0: I'm so glad to be getting off of Comcast because of that and other things. But you know, if I'm the type that if I lose service for a day, I call them up and tell them to refund my account that much, and it's dollars. Yeah, but it's victory. (laughs) It's it's victory. But I, you do that enough, they don't do that where they bump your. Account up because they know you're watching it.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what I need to do is just mm-hmm. have because I you know I could set something up with a script that'll tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of doing
0: this, don't be a slime ball who is successful because you haven't gotten caught yet, and don't put deceptive things into your checkout flows. Like it's okay, it's annoying, but it's okay to have uh, upsells. Uh, upsells, upsells are are fine. That's not annoying. It's the um, the, the stuff at the, the checkout line, um, the the impulse shopping that is really annoying. So with what I was talking about Uhaul, after initially ordering it online, I, I refused to go through their online portal again. So I call them. and that way, when they they start to do their up sale, I start talking about stuff completely random. And I'm like, all right, you're going to try to up, you're going to try to do this to me. I'm going to waste so much of your time. Yeah, <laughs> it's not as bad as call flushing, but still,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of friendly things, uh, the next pattern is friend spam, and that's where a site asks you for email or social media permission under a pretense, and then abuses your trust to spam your friends. Yeah,
0: you know, a lot of places are starting to post. We don't do anything with the information. Yeah, and why do you collect
1: access. it? Well, uh, it's so oh, you like, have access to it. Oh, it's like open off. Yeah. type stuff. Okay. It's pretty common for companies in two-sided markets or having a social component to do this. Usually because they need to fund revenue growth quickly to satisfy investors. That's that's a really common pattern because they want stuff to go viral, you know, because they can't make it on, you know, just their growth rate from ads. Now, you're probably not going to see this much in more mature companies or companies that aren't being funded with venture capital. Like this is a Silicon Valley disease.
0: LinkedIn was the best example where they went through your email account and looked for people to connect you with, um, while spamming any addresses they didn't already have.
1: Yeah, and so it's really good. Like when you have, oh, I don't know, a, a grandfather who just you know lost his wife, and you know that happens you know, happens to be your grandparents, and it picks up the wife's email address and emails her a connection request you know stuff like that like i che- unchecked it i caught it but it yeah. was like wh- <laughs> are you joking mm-hmm. you know, like I just went to her funeral like that that's not appropriate it's a bad assumption they they don't do that anymore though, they got noticed. sued oh that's why they stopped cuz i remember
0: it i used to have to go through and be like no 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 um and the other thing was they would look at your your contact list and then show you who to connect with that was already on there and offer to send emails to other people. That's what I remember about it. And I'm like, it's neat, but it's annoying too.
1: Yeah. Pretty much any social network is going to try to do this to some degree. Mm -hmm. Facebook here lately has been like, you know, suggested friends and it's always people like in Eastern Europe. I don't, you know, like, I don't know that many people in Eastern Europe. Some of them know me, but uh, another thing that used to happen is where sites would let you send a coupon to a friend, you know, in quotes, and then they would capture the friend's email address. I think that kind of went away with the Can Spam Act, yeah. although LinkedIn's little stunt probably should have, too, but they had enough money.
0: Yeah, it, it's – I don't know. This stuff hasn't all been tested in court yet.
1: Yeah, especially GDPR. Um, yeah. That's the one in Europe right now. And I think uh, Article 17 provisions of GDPR are probably going to take some people out.
0: <laughs> you have to remember, these type of companies have not been around very long, and this type of spam hasn't been around very long.
1: Yeah, it wasn't possible to do this twenty years ago.
0: Right. I remember fifteen to twenty years ago, you get all sorts of spam in the mailbox. Yeah. And you know, it's just like whatever, you're getting lots of stuff. You get an email, it's usually means something like yeah. it's like, oh cool, neat, I got an email. Like, you've got mail. Yeah. Good movie, by the way.
1: Yeah, now it would be a horror flick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got mail, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now. It'd be like a creepy clown delivering your email. <laughs> it's like crawling in a TCP packet. There's it. Yeah. We'll see. That's why they call it IT.
0: Exactly. There you go. But I would say now you get tons of email spam. I get tons of real ones. But yeah, I know what you mean. I I, I still get some real spam too, but not near as much. You know who spams me the most? Is the company that we use to buy our swag to give away at conferences.
1: Yes. Um, so you, course, next time I'm putting your address in there. <sighs> Um, but yeah, I, it's gotten really bad with the, uh, the physical spam that I get here because we get it for the last like five families that lived in this house and they all loved them some catalogs. That said, the email spam I get, the worst ones are, the worst one for me is Amazon. Amazon's like, oh, you bought a toaster. You must be starting a career of collecting toasters. Here, let me tell you about the toasters I have. It's like, no, like this is something people own one of. I didn't buy a toaster. I forget what I bought, but I could go look at Amazon and it would tell me. Yeah, we'll suggest one.
0: <laughs> so, guys, instead, suggest giving
1: the user a coupon that they can send to their friends themselves. Yeah, let them generate one that gives them a a coupon code that the buddy can enter, and then the buddy goes on, you know, you're getting getting them to do it through a trusted friend hmm. anyway. You're leveraging that trust, but you're not doing it in an abusive way.
0: Remember when Gmail was in beta?
1: Yeah. The only way to get on Gmail was to
0: have someone who sent you a re- like gave you a request. Yeah. That, w- that
1: is would That's how you do it.
0: Yeah. When that friend signs up, let them enter the name and email of the person that referred them and give that person a bonus. This is how recruiters work. Yeah. You know, they, they call, like I get at least two or three a week
1: asking me about jobs and I'm not looking. So the next one is hidden costs. And this happens when you go through an online checkout process only to discover some unexpected cost crammed in at the last minute. And this is different than them putting a, you know, checking a box, right? Like this is often because they don't have all the required information to know about all the fees. So like I just bought hard drives from Newegg, which should be here, um, in the next 27 minutes. Theoretically, And you know, they had to tack a shipping cost on, well, they didn't know where I was. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of how that happens.
0: Yeah. Taxes and shipping fees are unfortunate, but these are normal things. And that's not what you're talking about here.
1: Right. Um. This is stuff that they drop on you in the last step of the checkout. And I'm not talking about new egg, Like, this is just vendors. Um, it's primarily so that, you know, you've spent the time. And mm-hmm. so, you're going to engage in sunk cost fallacy and go, okay, well, I could either just bail out of this checkout process or I could just take the $2.99 fee. It's it, like it's the
0: online processing fee and things like that that they don't
1: tell you about. Care and handling yeah. fee. And they carefully handle the $2.99 and they love on it because oh, yeah. they got it with no effort. I mean, honestly, if
0: you need that extra two ninety nine, put that into the price of the product. Yeah. Just that straight up. Um, but a lot of sites will not show you the real price until the last step of checkout where the hidden fees come out. And this is like the fine print kind of thing. Um, this can be anything from, like you said, handling fees to forcing you to sign up for a paid membership card to get the discount that you were promised.
1: Right, because Amazon has kind of borderline pulled that a few times with Prime. This can also include upsells that are required for the thing to actually work. You you know, you bought a car, now pay two hundred fifty dollars extra to make the brakes work, or you know, you you bought the thing, but you kind of need a power cable that's extra.
0: Oh yeah, Apple was bad about this with their their MacBooks for a while. They're not as bad now. I
1: think the EU spanked them.
0: Oh yeah, because they they and they. We're bad about this with their iPhones, too. For a little while, when they, they change some things, it's like, oh, you need all these dongles to yeah. get things to work in Apple, but it doesn't come with it. So, you you can buy this overpriced piece of hardware and not be able to use it because you don't have all the extra things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The EU has has really come down on bad actors, except for Jean-Claude Van Damme, and gotten rid of this problem. <laughs> hey, you know what? I still think he is better than The Rock. Yeah. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not nicer, though. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> some other examples. Uh, airlines, if you've bought airfare at all, they're notorious for this. They usually like to do this at the gate with a baggage fee yeah. uh, because that's the point where the transaction becomes real. This is why I like Southwest.
0: While some people say I look like Kevin Smith, I am not too fat to fly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so uh, they they give you two bags for free. Yeah. And they also have direct flights from Nashville to where both my sisters live. So it's,
1: I, I, I go through them for that. So let's talk about what to do instead. What you do instead is you express the correct costs as soon as you have the information to do so. And you get that information as early as you can. Uh, for instance, you provide estimated shipping costs up front based on what you can get from the client's IP address. So you go, hey, they're in Tennessee, you know, in Nashville. Let's go ahead and estimate the shipping cost. Now that may be off a little bit. But at least the shipping costs will be on there and they'll see the price before that last step.
0: So next is the price comparison prevention. And this is where the retailer makes it hard to compare item prices and features, keeping you from making an informed decision. Uh, kind of the opposite of what Amazon has done because they make it really easy for you to look up a product when you're standing in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a big part of their business model. But with this like if you don't have a basis for comparing, it can be really
1: easy to make a less optimal choice. Yeah, it's, it even makes it easier to trick you into a bad choice, which is, you know, kind of the point. Another trick is to change the
0: prices based on how long you've been on the site,
1: yeah, or where you came from. That's true. That kind of stuff. Um, you know, they can detect You know, Mm -hmm. like Google searches, for instance, and they're like, oh, hey, they're targeting this keyword. Let's change the price by this much. And then you go and you search again for something else and you're not getting apples to apples comparisons. Right. Uh, A good example of this would be using different and not easily converted units on similar items. So, like, let's say you're buying onions for some reason. One of them. I would
0: never do that.
1: Yeah, you would never do that. But (laughs) I, on the other hand, can go through a Costco-sized bag of onions in a week. Like, it's ridiculous. I would die. Literally. Yeah. yeah, you would. You totally would. Like, you would die and your ghost would haunt an onion field somewhere. <laughs> uh, but for the rest of us, let's say you're buying onions, right? One guy over here sells them in bushels. He's selling them units of volume. Dude over here selling them by weight. Dude over here selling them by individual units. How do you compare prices? You got to find something that's like, well, you know, if I've got Vidalia onions, how many of those are in a bushel, right? How much having, does a bushel weigh? Yeah, you're having like farmers market conversations, like
0: so. So I'm I'm thinking of fractions with like the finding the common denominator. But now you
1: instead of two fractions, you've just given me three fractions with that. I remember doing that math in high yeah. school, and and you can do this to people even just switching between uh, metric units and American units. Oh yeah, I mean like you don't have to switch between volume and mass. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really even if it's a simple comparison, it's just enough to make somebody not do it.
0: Since I'm moving, I've been looking at some of the gyms in the area, and one thing I like to do is I like to talk about, like, all right, do you guys have kettlebells? Oh, well, what weights do you have? Because I've got these weights, and I say them in kilograms, one, because that's kind of the way I was taught kettlebells, but also, it it tells me how, like, all right, these guys know their kettlebell stuff, or they've just got them because they're popular.
1: Yeah. Which means they have like 15 pounders as the top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So
0: I'm using the same kind of thing on like a different, uh, in a different way.
1: Yeah. There's some other examples. This, you know, like if you add bonuses of unknown value to all the items, now people can't compare the set. Um, That's, you know, that's one trick. Or doing something like, charging by the number of users in one price tier and then charging by data volume or some other measurement in another pricing tier. That actually happens with a lot of startups that just don't know what they're doing.
0: It sounds like they had one thing and then they added another pricing tier and didn't... Or they removed one or... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just... it It's... That sounds like more of an oops than a, we're trying to trick you.
1: Yeah. But you'll still get tricked.
0: Yeah. It, um, it, that's the thing to watch out for.
1: Yeah. So instead
0: of this... You need to base your price on consistent units. Not only is it less confusing, but it helps
1: consumers purchase faster rather than wasting time. Yeah, the longer they waste, the less likely they are to check out.
0: What this makes me think of in the, the right way to do it is they have, um, they have areas in this one big shop where different people have their wares, but they have one place to check out and buy them. Right, you know, and that one place determines. All right, who do I give the money to? But that allows you to have a centralized point of reference, and that's what it's making me think of by having like consistent units. It's all in the American dollar because we're in America. But you know, it, it's it's comparable like that. Base prices on something that actually costs the company money. Not only is this a good way of making sure you're making a profit, but it makes it easier to adjust prices when the company's cost changes.
1: Yeah. So like if you're, if you're basing price on number of users, but your Mm -hmm. company's biggest, biggest expense is bandwidth and your bandwidth prices go up, how do you adjust the plans you already have? So the next one is privacy zuckering. And this goes off of Zuckerberg's name, right? Mm -hmm. Like he gets his, he gets his noun verbed. Uh, Uh, That sounded unusually dirty. Uh, (laughs) So. This practice is one where a vendor puts a clause in their terms of service that lets them share data they collect with third parties, a.k.a. Facebook does this.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Once you've been zucked, data brokers can combine your data from one site with data from another and learn a lot about you. So they can cross compare your Twitter profile with your Facebook profile or your Amazon profile with your Facebook profile. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and pull your data out of Facebook and have a look at it if you want to kind of clinch up a little bit. Do you remember telling them all that stuff? They will have stuff that you didn't tell them you hadn't talked about on the site, but they got it from somewhere else. Right. They inferred it from conversations, including private ones.
0: Like, I never said anything about having a switch on Facebook. There was an incident with Target a few years ago. I remember this. This was huge.
1: Where they sent a, a girl coupons for baby supplies. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was a woman... Got it the was, coupons, and her husband didn't no, know, or she was, didn't know, or it was the daughter? No, it was a daughter. Okay. So, they, they sent a girl coupons
0: for baby supplies, and the, the girl was in high school, and her father saw them and got really upset because they just
1: assumed that she was pregnant. That she was. And it ended up being that she was, yeah. Yeah, which I don't know how, um, how Target matched that. You know, that way, I guess, you know, her what she was browsing in the store, but I don't, I think she didn't even know at that point. No, she did not know. So, I mean, like your data is very powerful when it's out there and it's not in your control. It's pretty scary. We're going to actually talk about that in the end of the year episode a little bit. This didn't do as much damage as it could have. You know, it could have been, there's a lot of things that could be a lot worse you know it could be for instance dude was overseas for the last 8 months and he gets home and right as he gets home he gets the pregnancy coupons for his wife <laughs> you know that's yeah. a little more damaging mm-hmm. not, you know not by much um, i don't know the the teenage daughter might yeah it's with pretty you. <laughs> yeah it's pretty destructive either way but the thing that, is it's, it's a matter of well, medical conditions yeah i mean it's which that is there there are right. hipaa laws
0: about this and technically technically according to hipaa because the girl was over 16, her parents did not have a right to that data.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it gets it gets tangled very, very quickly. And
0: who would have ever thought of, other than at the pharmacy, uh, of something like that violating HIPAA?
1: Well, and the algorithm probably didn't even, you know, it doesn't know the product. It just knows that when people look at this, they end up buying this. And mm-hmm. that's all it knows. And it builds a rule set. Right. And suddenly you have a HIPAA violation or worse. A few other
0: examples, companies might say that they won't give your data out except within their organization for purposes of whatever you're interacting with them for. Then they buy another company that's a little less moral or they get bought by a company.
1: Yeah. And they make, you know, somebody becomes a subsidiary and all of a sudden now the data... Mm-hmm. can flow over there because, hey, it's part of the company. It's, they signed up for this. The, the tricky thing is they, they change their terms of service. Yeah. And even if they don't change it in the legal document, you changed who's in your organization. This is sort of the same problem that has happened in the WordPress ecosystem with plugins. Somebody will build one, a bunch of people use it, and then they sell it to somebody else and inject malware. So instead of this,
0: be open to what data you collect.
1: <clears throat> GDPR.
0: <laughs> be minimalistic about it and allow users to delete their data. That is, I cannot emphasize that enough.
1: The trick with that is if the business still requires some of it, you know, tax tax purposes can be a, a huge one. Tax um,
0: purposes, regulation purposes, right? Uh, that
1: kind of stuff. Because there's certain stuff you can buy online. On Amazon. Like, I could go to Amazon right now and buy the same materials that have been used in bombings. Yes. And, you know, like, they're going to want to keep that to track it. Otherwise, you just do a a takedown request and all of a sudden the the, uh, trail is cold. So, you you know, you can't do that. The other thing that gets used on backups. Um, You don't want to go in and touch backups of a user and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. They want their record deleted. Let me delete it from the backup from six months ago. The thing is, you don't use the backups. Right. When you're doing that. And what you should have is... You just make a marker to say, yeah. this, the, delete this record when you restore.
0: Either you could do that or you have your active data and then
1: you have audit trails. Yeah. And you don't mess with your audit trails, but you can remove it from active data. The next one is the Roach Motel. Um, and that's a design that makes it easy for you to sign up and difficult to get out. If you remember the music services back when we were in college, <laughs> you get the little flyer and it's like you get a CD for 99 cents instead of 20 bucks back oh, this, when we had CD stores. This this wasn't just a CD. It was you get 10.
0: A, you pick from this list of like 50 and you can pick 10 of them for
1: $10. Yeah. But then yeah. <laughs> once you do that, uh, do you remember um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? The first one. It's like the gold in there. Like yeah. once you get it, you're on the ship. Yeah. And uh, was that Columbia Records that did that? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. I, I feel like we're dating ourselves on this, which we are. A, a really good example of this is
0: adding a paid service to your account whilst doing something else and then requiring a printed form to cancel if the user discovers it later and wants to opt out. So you you can sign up online, but... Canceling cancel his paper
1: and a fax. Yeah, yeah. Then um, this happens a lot. Um, there's other examples too. You know, Facebook does this. You know, the premise is you can talk to your family. You know, I got a cousin in California that you know has come to like one family reunion, and I'm in contact with him on Facebook. Right, I can talk to those kind of people on there. However, if I don't want Facebook selling my private data to unscrupulous advertisers, oh yeah, they'll delete it, but they're going to waste several dozen hours of my life to do it. Like it's really oh, hard yeah. to get rid of a Facebook account. Um, so what you do is you actually just put bad data in there and you just kind of poison the well. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm not surprised you do that
0: because that's exactly what I would do if I yeah, were in that situation.
1: Yeah. it's just like, just leave the cantankerous rednecks alone. Come on, just, just work with us. Comcast tried to pull this on me. Now we've been oh. beating on Comcast because they're awful people. Did we mention that they tried to do this to me a few years ago? I had a business line here, mm-hmm. and I'd had oh, it for a couple of that. years. Yeah, and you know there was a clause in there. Oh, if you if if you cancel within a year, you have to pay a disconnect fee. Okay, well it wasn't within a year, and they tried to hit me with a thousand dollar fee. And I went round and round with them, and I finally filed a Federal Trade Commission report. And I, you know, I mean, I filed a complaint. And, mm-hmm. and then I started calling the um, it was like I called the district attorney's office here. <laughs> I mean, I, I lit their pilot light. They were, within three hours, they called me and said, this was a mistake. We will remove it from your bill.
0: Yeah. I remember when that happened. Because that was... I
1: hit the roof on that one. You're kidding me? A thousand bucks. And by the way, I still have a residential connection. Like I'm still your customer. You're gouging me on TV instead of on internet. Yeah, I like, r- I remember when you did that. It hasn't changed anything for you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm still angry about it. So let's talk about what to do instead. Make it easy for people to get back out of your system. This is a nicer way to treat people. The other thing it does is it helps with customer acquisition and retention because people are more likely to sign up for something they can leave. You know, you don't move your luggage in at the Hotel California. You can
0: check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, it also makes marketing cheaper because you're not marketing to a disengaged and hostile user base. Like those people, if they don't want to be in, they're gone. Um, so the last one is trick questions. And this occurs when a when an option looks like it means one thing, but actually means something else. And this happens a lot when people are in a hurry. Um, and This can be a bad design decision as easily as it could be intentional deception. Basically, they're taking advantage of you being in a rush to get you to make a bad decision.
0: A good example would be having a checkbox for, yes, sign me up, right after a checkbox saying, don't sign me up. People will tend to read the first checkbox, assume that checking a box keeps them off a list, and then check both. The, th- the place I've seen this, wh- where it's really tricky, is... You go through something, and then there's the terms and service. Yeah, there's the agree to the term and service that is unchecked, and the one that is checked is the send me a bunch of spam email. Yeah, it doesn't say that exactly, but you know, it's the sign me up to get e- you know email updates periodically, which is every peri- day. Yeah, I know. Good grief! And so, if you're not paying attention, which when you're signing up for stuff, guys, you just, you have to, you have to be pedantic. Oh, I heard the funniest thing this week during one of the trainings. I sent you a, a, a message about it, but it was, I get to be BJ right now and be the complete pedantic nerd. I'm like, yes, yeah, yes, I am is known done. for this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, some other examples, uh, people with newsletter pop-ups on their English-speaking websites have this problem. Um, they'll end up reporting a high number of email sign-ups from foreign countries like China, Russia, mm-hmm. places where some people speak English but maybe not really all that well. You know, they know enough to get on the site and mess around, but they're kind yeah. of inferring meaning. People read the, you know, the pop-up and they think that they can't read further blog posts without signing up. You did this to yourself unintentionally. By making your pop-up hard to get out of, they go, oh, I have to sign up and they sign up and then you get a whole bunch of email bounces. Um, I've known several people that have done this with their sites and they didn't realize what they had done to themselves. Like it was completely unintentional. So
0: on on this note, I really want to pause for a moment and just shout out to all of our non-English speaking listeners because we have a lot of you guys Yeah, and we want to thank you guys for one, learning... Our native tongue, and listening and enjoying our show. Yeah. So, big shout out to you guys. Well, this is why we don't do the pop-up that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't have any pop-ups on our website Yeah, our that's way. right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we both don't like them. So, yeah. you know, we, we try to make our site something that we would enjoy going to. On the same line, do you want to install Windows 10? Do it now, do it later. And you notice there's no other option for never.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, do I get an option that says load Windows 10 into a catapult and launch it into the sun? Mm-hmm. No, I would really like that.
0: Like yeah. I said, a yeah. lot of the, the please rate us in yeah. iTunes that I see have a do it now, you know, remind me later or please stop.
1: Yeah. Cause they immediately get hurt for screwing yeah. up.
0: And so if I don't have time to do it, if I'm in the middle of something, I always say later because I'm going to eventually rate you just because you had a please stop.
1: Yeah, and it was it was just courtesy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like that too. So um, another one is having a big obvious button for yes, keep my subscription and a tiny hard to read text for unsubscribe. It's not exactly a trick question, but the thing is, is people are inferring things based on the screen and they don't see those little links. So, um, So let's talk about what to do instead of doing this proper UX design. Make things do what they appear to do and follow well-established UX metaphors in regards to what controls mean. So, like radio buttons, for instance, should switch between them. Checkboxes should not. It's weird. I, I see a lot of checkboxes where people will turn it into a radio button. It's like, wh- what are you doing? There's there's a thing for that, like right there. Yeah. You, all you have to do is change the type on that HTML tag. What, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is
0: be aware that English is not everyone's first or primary language and consider what people might infer about the meaning of your interface if they don't speak English naturally.
1: Yeah, there's like there's an apocryphal story about this, you know, like some country that had like a really low literacy rate and when they would get food at the grocery store, the the picture on the can was what was in the can. Oh, the Gerber baby? Yeah. Now, that's not actually a true story, but it's, it's a pretty good illustration of, hey, you know, not everybody thinks the way I think, and they may be inferring things that I don't intend them to infer.
0: So guys, dark patterns in user interfaces are everywhere on the web. As companies and individuals are more and more desperate to compete in a huge global market, they will probably become more common, at least until governments start stepping in. These patterns often enable various forms of fraud and are not a good long-term strategy in the design of a website. They also are unethical and probably not something you should do if you value having a clear conscience. That pretty much wraps this up before we close everything
1: out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to you know, bang on the point that fraud is always more expensive than honesty or almost always more expensive. Um, if you have a strategy of lying your way out of stuff, it will catch up with you eventually. Whereas if you have a strategy of being generally honest, that will catch up with you eventually too in a good way. Just, just bear that in mind. Be honest with your customers and that's it. That's all I got. Stand by
0: for Titanfall.
1: If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly
0: Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the
1: tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.